Yo, yo, welcome back to the Audio Theory Podcast. If you're new to the channel, new to the fucking channel, hit the <laughs> like button as well as the subscribe button. What's good, Danny? How have you been? Hit the fucking like button, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what that sounds like? Uh, remember uh, that Ashanti and Fat Joe hit them back in the day? Turn the fucking mic on. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, dude, great way to set the pod. I'm in a great mood. Uh, great to see you, dude. I've been good, man. Weekend was straight. Um, went to dallas for the weekend which is a vibe bro like 48 hours in dallas but man we achieved everything we wanted to great time with the family great time with the friends bro honestly and i told my girl this dude that was i mean i've been in the i don't know if, i know how you and sarah feel about having kids because we had a discussion a few months ago in person but uh-huh. i've always been especially like with the wedding coming up and everything god willing like I've been like, yo, fuck kids, bro. Like, I don't want kids around. Like, if I'm trying to vibe the fuck out, like, that's the last thing I want. I remember a recent New Year's party. There was kids running around, and I'm like, bro, like, can they just go away or just go downstairs? (laughs) Like, why the fuck are they here? And, bro, this was the first time this past weekend at, like, my girl's, uh, one of her friends' baby shower. Bro, all her friends were there. They're all the same age as us, essentially. And they all have, like, their newborns or one-year-olds. And, bro, it was excellent dude like it was so nice the husbands were just hanging out drinking playing fucking um cornhole i had fucking music going um and yeah dude it was just nice man it wasn't maybe because no kid was crying but it was dude it was just a a very good time so i feel like that was needed as like again we're, we're taking these steps towards like our future they're like all right bro like i could do this because i've always been like yeah i want to have a legacy i want to have a kid ideally a son one day knock on wood but dude, the, the the recent Danny's like, bro, do I really though, bro? Like, like you yeah. know how much fun I have on my own and with my girl? Like, why the fuck would I want to share that? But and it was right. a good week. That's the first time I actually was like, oh, dude, this is a, a very dope experience. That's amazing. And I'm glad you brought it up. It's funny because we, we were actually talking about it at work because uh, one of my favorite coworkers, she's been on leave, has a, a baby. And we were talking about how cute the baby was, but my boss was like i still wasn't like oh i i want to have another one because she knows how chaotic her second one was and i think i just learned like with kids it's just really a a hit or miss um and i think that's why when you say hit or miss you mean like either you want it want it or you don't no hit or miss as in like you don't know what the kid's gonna be like even if you have even if you know how you're gonna raise it because my boss was was like giving advice to this coworker and said, you know, with my second kid, she was a nightmare. My, my boss complains about her all the time. And she's like, I was under the impression my first kid was so easy because I was such a great parent. But at the end of the day, like their personality, you kind of don't really have that much control over. So I guess that's uh, something a lot of people who choose to be child free are afraid of is, I can still do everything right, have my finances order, and still give birth to, like, an absolute nightmare. Yeah, dude, you can give birth to King Vaughn, which we'll get into later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that, that's facts, though, dude, because um, cause the, the main reason we went back to Dallas was because uh, my soon-to-be sister-in-law had her second child in the last 18 months. Well, I guess they call uh-huh. them, like, Irish twins. So, one, the first the firstborn is 13 months, and the newborn is two months. And bro, they were saying how easy they thought it was with the first one. 
and now they're like, oh, this is this is different. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. This is a different experience. I'm like, yeah, but you have fucking two of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, but uh, yeah, overall a great a great weekend. Good for the soul. Um, nice. And then really these next couple weeks is just getting ready for Spain, and I know you're getting ready for a trip too. So definitely excited about that. But uh, how about you, bro? Your weekend was looking super lit. So I definitely want to. No, like, what was that setup? What was the celebration? How were the vibes? Definitely want to talk about that. For sure. Yeah. So my my boy Moon, who you know, he has been working towards his his bachelor degree for quite some time now. Um, so he finally, I, I believe, this past weekend was his final exam or, uh, sorry, graduation actually. Like it was all virtual. Um, so he uh coincidentally his favorite like edm artist son holo was performing in la uh for some reason not in the bay so he's like i really want to celebrate you know over there and, and go to this concert uh if you guys are down he's like you know i'll get a table and everything so my wife and i were hesitant because we were not a big fan of this kind of edm especially because it's it's a lot more uh like emotional i guess Okay, um, but it's like the one where like like heavy like uh, like pop singer singing throughout or no? Kind of. It's it's hard to describe. It's almost like the high pitch like anime sounding like vocals in the background, but okay. still like the beats kind of hit hard. But it's not like Skrillex where you know if you like hip hop, you know it's kind of an easy transition. Yeah, there's like there's no hints of hip hop in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean he did he did do like crank that Soldier Boy like uh, EDM like infused remixes and stuff in Mo Bamba. Uh, was it Mo? Yeah, Mo Bamba, yeah. Mo Bamba. Uh, yeah, so he did have that sprinkled in. But in any case, like, if I have a few drinks, I can find, figure out how to have fun. Sure, Especially sure. if I'm with people I, I love and care for. So, um, yeah, we, we used it as an excuse to go to Orange County specifically. So, took Which a super... Which is where Sarah's, your wife's family's from, right? Yeah, her family. So, yeah, I ended up staying there um and we just kind of hung out in orange county for a couple days and then and flew back but it was a a, a nice fun short trip nice dude yeah dude it yeah. looked epic you guys like yeah because again like i feel like as we get older the idea of being in a club and getting a table sounds like the, the like the least appealing of anything we can ever do but like yeah there are those moments where you're like damn bro that would be fire you know what mm -hmm. i mean so yeah i'm glad you guys uh, it seemed like you guys experienced that that night, that night. For sure. Yeah, it did. It did feel kind of cool uh, seeing the sparklers come through and, yeah. you know, everyone staring at you. It's kind of uh, egotistical in a way. But at the same time, we don't do I don't do that very often at yeah, all. Yeah. So it was yeah, nice. Right. The last time we probably did that was like your bachelor party or something. Yeah. Like that's when is that gonna, ever going to happen? So, right. Yeah. Because even like here, like we were thinking about doing one like last year to end like the year. I was like, bro, why? Bro, like, yeah. <laughs> like, bro, how much are we paying for fucking for like that one moment of like, yeah. ex, like e e ego boost? And then like, but again, right. when you're on a trip, when you're away, like it's I'm so easy to justify yeah. that because you're like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah, 100%. Nice, nice man. So I'm glad you guys made it safe. And then you got Bali coming up, what, like in two weeks? Yeah, in two weeks, uh, heading to Bali. It's kind of a jam-packed trip because... It's so far, so we're forcing ourselves to see like other nearby countries. Sure. So what's the, uh, just to give the people a rundown, what's like the exact itinerary? Yep. So we fly directly to Singapore first. We're essentially there for, I want to say like a day and a half. Um, and then we go to Australia, Sydney, Australia, to be specific for 
like five days, I want to oh, say. Wow. Then the wedding in Bali, uh, we're there for like two and a half days because we, we've already been to Bali once. So we, and we're probably never going to go to Australia ever again. So, because it's so far. So we're spending the majority of time there. And then the mistake is we're finishing it off in Tokyo. <laughs> I say mistake because we're like, oh, fuck it. Let's add in Tokyo. But we don't get there till like midnight. And then we leave like at 4 p.m. the next day. So we really, if you count, if you factor in sleep, we have like, we got to get up early and just hang out for. Wait, wait, wait. So it's like hours. you leave at, you land at 12 p.m. And then you leave 16 hours later. Uh, so we landed like 11 p.m. Um, got to go to the hotel straight to sleep. And then we leave it. Our flight leaves at 4 p.m. the the same oh, the so you morning just have like we a wake morning up. Morning in Tokyo, uh, essentially. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake, yeah. my boy. <laughs> <laughs> and the the reason why the mistake even made sense to us at the time was uh, I, I forget if I told you about that that new airline that for now. Yeah, yeah, only, yeah the, like the one that goes to Hawaii yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So we wanted we knew we were gonna be tired and wanted like the recline reclining seats and shit, but we didn't want to have to spend, I don't know how much that would cost like on a regular flight, probably oh, several thousand, stupid. but yeah. with this, it was cheaper. So we we're like, Oh, maybe we should just go to Tokyo so we can take it back. But I, I don't know if it's worth the hassle at this point, thinking about it. Damn. But that's it. It's already booked, right? Everything's good. Yeah. Like locked and loaded. It is what it is. So it is what it is. Okay. First cool. world but, problems. But I remember this is what the, uh, dude, serious first world problems though, for sure. <laughs> Um, and but Australia was gonna be dope because like that's the first time you and Sarah have been there together. True. Yep. Nice. Nice. Nice, dude. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Um, yeah. So probably next week will be our last episode before June, and then we'll come back second half of the year up and running. Because um, yeah, I got Spain coming up next week, um, which I'm excited about, bro. I, I took your advice from Mallorca, helped me understand that. So Madrid. Three days, Mallorca, four days, Ibiza, four days, back home. Damn, that sounds amazing. Bro, I'm so excited, bro. Like, honestly, it took me a while to get hyped because, like, dude, that's, like, the gift and the curse. Again, more first world problems when you're, because of Gina's job situation, that we fly for free, right? So you're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just a fucking flight, like, yeah. whatever, bro. But then at night, when you start booking, like, the excursions and, like, the hotels and the... And, like, the the, mm -hmm. the flights within Spain. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a trip trip. Like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Are I'm you guys doing a boat too? Uh, yeah, boat we're thing? doing a boat, bro. Like, and it's funny, man. Like, so I sent her like the itinerary and I'm like, hey, on this day in Mallorca, we're getting a boat. But I'm like, it's a group boat. All right. Like, we'll do yeah. a private boat like for our honeymoon or some shit. Cause I'm like, bro, yeah. like, this is a dumbass trip in the first place. Like, we're just doing yeah. this like at the worst fucking time financially, but we're trying to save every cent for a wedding. Um, but I was like, it's a group boat, bro. It's going to be like six other people. We'll make yeah. the most of it. Like, fuck. Cause like, even like, I mean, that's what it is in Europe, bro. I remember when I went to mm -hmm. Greece, we did a catamaran tour, but there was like 10 other people on the boat. So yeah, it's all good, bro. Like it's yeah. going to be a, a great time. For sure. And I, I've done a couple of those too. I mean, the last one I did was in Mallorca and it, it never feels like overwhelming. Like if, if you don't end up liking the group, like you can just mind your business and they're not going to bother you and vice versa. They might be dope and you might, it might enhance your experience. It might enhance it. We might grab a drink with them afterwards. It's actually, we're doing it on our last day as well in Mallorca. And it's like the, 
the one that we got includes like unlimited alcohol for all four hours. So dude, either way, it's going to be like a fun yeah. time. So I'm yeah. not worried about it, dude. But yeah, excited for us. Uh, God willing, all those things come out and we have a, a great time. And obviously we'll talk about it on the pod, but let's get into it. Episode 141. Episode 140 is currently everywhere talking about AI and uh, how it continues to take over the uh, music industry. So definitely go keep that on all platforms. But we wanted to do a little bit more of a timeless thing, but also something that I do believe a lot of people have been talking about pretty extensively over the last like two to three weeks. And that's the recent, well, not recent, but whatever. The uh, the King Vaughn documentary by, is it Trap Lord? Trap Who's Lord Ro- uh, Ross. Trap Lord Ross. Yeah. Trap Lord Ross. Dude, three and a half hours, extreme detail about King Vaughn's life from him being like 12 till like the, the day he died. Uh, and we'll chop it up about all that. But quick shout out to him, uh, Trap Lord Russ, cause bro, like this is, if you remove, and again, I, I don't have the technology to do this, but if you remove all the clips of like other people talking, it's still him talking for like two hours and 50 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Like that in itself is so fucking impressive, bro. Because yeah. I'm like, how did you even have the <laughs> bandwidth to create all this content? Like in like, obviously not one shoot, but just yeah. still like, it's a lot, dude. So shout out to him for even putting this content out. And I, it seemed from like the, the other thumbnails, like he has a bunch of these, right? Uh, yeah, he has, he basically does these mini documentaries on mostly hip hop related, uh, events and, and people, but yeah, he has a ton of them. Yeah, so shout out to him. If you guys haven't peeped that or any other ones, we uh, I definitely highly recommend it just off the King Vaughn one alone. Mm-hmm. But dude, I throw it over to you, man, because it's your topic. Where do you want to start when it comes to uh, the documentary, his life, all of it, dude? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm really curious. Um, one, if you were aware of how much King Vaughn allegedly had done and, and quote unquote kept it real in the streets, and what was there anything that really surprised you within the documentary that you didn't kind of already suspect? Sure. So King Vaughn, and for you guys, I got to rest in peace. Um, you know, we did an episode about King Vaughn the moment he died, right? Like literally, I think he died on a on a Tuesday and we were already recording on a Wednesday. So we kind of just, you know, jumped into it, right? But dude, yeah. I, was, I was only familiar with him like around the time he released that album, right? Because I remember him being on Complex, Everyone's talking about how good of a rapper he is. Academics is saying how like detailed his rap approaches. He's getting praise, like fucking like in the video, like LeBron's fucking bucking his music and shit, right? So I was like, oh, dude, like how sad that a young rapper who was on his way up got killed, right? That was my initial thought mm-hmm. back in 2000, uh, 2020, yeah. sorry. And then, so to hear that side of it, that he was allegedly this aggressive and had these many bodies to his name i'm like Mm -hmm. oh like bro honestly if i would have knew that what then i don't think i would have been as sympathetic at the time of his murder and that sounds terrible Mm -hmm. it is what it is you'll watch the documentary get our point of view and then also dude i the documentary helped me get a better understanding even though we saw the quando rondo interview with angel e yeah. I think the way Trap Lord explains how the murder went down, like oh how King Vaughn got gunned down, it just kind of gives you better context to, like what the fuck happened that night. Because I didn't understand the whole like he was at a random hookah spot by himself and yeah. he didn't tell his security guards and then he just sucker punched Quando Rondo, like all that stuff. Like 
I had no idea about it. So I think that was helpful just to, not to put like an icing on the cake, but kind of just give me the full spectrum of, you know, what went down that night, which was, yeah. it's, it's helpful. Cause again, you don't, I was confused as someone who's not too involved with like Chicago rap like that about like that they had beef and like it seemed like that this was a premeditated thing to kind of just catch this guy off guard mm -hmm. but without knowing what i saw in the documentary it felt like oh bro they killed this kid by when he's fucking by himself like what a bunch of pussies kind of a thing how are they off how is it self-defense blah 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 so that really helped me give uh get better context for sure yeah i think uh trap lord russ did a really great job with that um and as far as me, I think the the main thing that really shocked me was just how public he was with oh, the things yeah. he allegedly was responsible for. Um, I had no idea. I, ha I heard rumblings here and there like, oh, King Von's responsible for this person's death or he's really about that life and this and that. But I didn't know the, the severity of it. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just shocking to me, his open, his willingness and openness to talk about these things and taunt people on twitter and while I, I would never say he he or any of his ops or whatever like you know should we should be happy that they're you know in the grave right now um it doesn't shock me that he you know he ended up in a situation where his life was taken um and i i guess the crazy thing for me is just everything seems so hypocritical in a way like on one hand i don't know if trap lord russ said it ross said it in this documentary or a follow-up but the fact that kwando rondo's team's response you know was warranted and and kind of valid for at least from a street perspective mm -hmm. you know just you know you're getting attacked and then someone pulls out a, a burner or whatever and then you know uh diffuses the situation but if roles reverse like people would be championing and championing king von and you know saying oh yes he's like the realest dude ever simply because we like his music and i, I still find it crazy to me that even after the fact of him allegedly being a serial killer or whatever people are still finding it very difficult to critique his behavior mm. and so that was that the majority of the feedback on like the comment section yeah uh i'm not necessarily his comment section because i think it was a lot of his audience who like isn't from the streets but there was a, a street dude from chicago who you know he's not tied to king von but he's tied to the streets and he academics trap lore ross and um uh the who's the dude from um who was on tmz the black dude oh van uh, lathan yeah van lathan um they were all talking about it and basically saying you know he's a, a british white dude who like doesn't know anything about the lifestyle and he's like kind of dry snitching and def uh, you know uh, defaming his character and stuff and i'm like but king vaughn is the one who's actively putting this information out there yeah, it's not like he's he's you know, digging this up and yeah, hacking yeah. his phone. He didn't get his fucking personal right. journal and like, you know, right. like <laughs> yeah. And the thing that got me was the street dude said he's like, "Well, where I'm from, like the streets don't talk. Like, we we keep this behind closed doors because he he refused to acknowledge that King Von might have been responsible for some bodies. But I'm like, <clears throat> if that's the rule, then why was King Von on Twitter like 20 minutes every day? you know, taunting this death or whatever. And I'm just like, 
you're, it's so hypocritical to me how you're accusing this documentary of like defaming him and and being dry snitching when King Von it seems wanted to be notorious for this stuff. Dude, it, dude, the, the, that's a great point, man. Because the the overarching theme, and I think this kind of like goes back to what we said about like six nine in the past, like when you know when he would do an IG live when he's like in the middle of a fucking shootout. It's like, bro, what are you doing? I think the craziest thing to me, and the fact that it started so young, dude, because you start looking at the timeline of when he started posting, he was like 16, 17 years old. Like, bro, what is happening? But, bro, like, especially when he got into, like, his 20s, and it was just like, I want murder today. I'm about to kill somebody today. And you're like, bro, what is happening, dude? Like, that was the, dude, like, just so, like, appalling shocking like jarring i'm like bro how is this a real thing and bro it was non-stop him just saying everything he was about to do what he did what he plans to do and you're like bro there's and then how are you getting off of these cases because bro like it's one thing to say oh like i'm you know if it's a movie or a song like yeah that's just a character i'm playing bro this is your verified account that you're just saying you dropped four bodies today like what are you like like that was the part of me where, again, I, I think I resonate with the uh, with the uh, the guy who did the documentary again because, like the uh, the uh, the comparison to Jeffrey Dahmer, like Jeffrey mm -hmm. Dahmer, you know, attacking gay black men because he assumed that the authorities would not care, dude. That, like that scene that that came through as well as like probably the second most jarring thing about it. It's like, damn, bro, like. I know, like we we're we're desensitized to people getting killed in Chirac every day, right? Like there's you know tens of or hundreds of people every summer that get killed for from gun violence. But bro, it's wild when there's clear evidence of someone self in like incriminating themselves with all these people like allegedly get killed by him, and he's not even spending more than a couple nights in prison. Like that shit was crazy to me, man. And it's sad because. You're kind of like, oh, because these are all like black, black kids or black women. Like, no mm -hmm. one gives a fuck, right? Because they're all poor black people. But if it's like a white girl or a white kid, you know, and this happened in fucking Orange County, there'd probably be a fucking bigger investigation into someone's tweets about like what the fuck's going on. Right. And I think people turn a blind eye because it especially because the victims might be guilty of murder or some heinous crime themselves. Sure, that's a great point. Um yeah. and I think a lot of people are just quick to say instead of critiquing the music or the individual, like let's let's blame it on the environment and, and kind of call it a day. And sure. I get it. I mean, clearly King Vaughn's a product of his environment. If he was born in some nice suburb, I highly doubt he'd be doing this stuff. But at the same time, it seemed like he was particularly like on a mission Bro. just to cause destruction. Like it wasn't like you know, a tip, a stereotypical situation of, you know, I'm a gang member. I'm just going to defend myself. If someone's, you know, trying to mess with me or someone I care about, it was like, he like for breakfast, he wanted to, to slide on people. Yeah. Like, I think he tweeted something with the phrase, but dude, like he was giving pure menace to society vibes. Like, bro, like mm -hmm. I'm out for fucking carnage. And it's not because you rolled up on my neighborhood unannounced. It's like, nah, dude, like I'm awake and I want to just fucking kill someone today. Like that's how it, those tweets felt, bro. Um, mm. Cause yeah, especially like when you start like the last, you know, four or five bodies, he said he was like, you know, allegedly um, whatever, a part of those people been getting killed. Like 
because like the NBA young boy thing, right? It's like, bro, like, why are you beefing with a guy from New, like Louisiana? Like, how does this even like, how do you cross paths besides like, yeah, like, I just want to be buying with someone else today kind of a thing. Like mm-hmm. that shit was also very weird, man. But um, so question for you though. So um, I mean, we have like tons to dissect from this, uh, from this documentary, but was there anything from the documentary that you felt was like a reach or maybe Trap Lord was just maybe giving too much attention to it, trying to paint a different narrative than what really the true narrative of Vaughn is. Yeah. Um, I do think it was a little bit of a reach to, um, with the comparison to Jeffrey Dahmer and, you know, targeting only black men and whatnot. Cause I think I still, I mean, obviously King Vaughn did target black men, but I think it was really more so in a gang affiliation thing and, a byproduct or, or it circumstances the circumstances were that the he was in Chirac or whatever and it just so happens the police don't have like the resources to necessarily sure. care um but i don't even think he necessarily cared about being caught so i think for him he just wanted to wreak havoc on who he thought were his ops um you know he was he dehumanized them and uh, he just wanted to be the toughest and baddest. Whereas someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, I think they were a bit more strategic in like, or he was sure. a bit more strategic or fetishized black men or something to the point where he's like, well, if I go after these guys, I won't necessarily get caught. Or maybe I just hate black men That's for whatever reason. That's Whereas I think pretty much every gang that has ops might think the same way, but might not be as vicious as king von appeared to have actually been yeah because in the south side of chicago that's a four, that's just a de- demographic you know what i mean yeah. like if there was like a hispanic gang members in that area they, then his his ops would have been hispanic you know so like I yeah guess, yeah that's a good point that's a good point um i don't know for me dude it was i don't because my thing was i it felt like and we've had friends like this Lucy talk about like you know people who have like conspiracy theories right and they they get information and they're like this is very matter of fact right and like I just wish overall it was I wish that there was like more phrases like allegedly or this is what I think it just mm-hmm. felt after like a three and a half docu- three and a half hour documentary he's like no this is what happened and it's mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? Like, again, I don't think he truly says it that way, but the way the information is being presented, it's like almost like there's no room for interpretation. It's like, no, bro, this yeah. is what the fuck happened. And I just wish right. there's a little bit more like, hey, this is what I perceive, you know, just more like, you know, hands up, caution, like, as opposed to like, here's who he is. He's the first serial killer ever in hip hop. I'm like, bro, all right, bro, we don't know for <laughs> sure. Though, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do agree. It was a little it felt a little exaggerated at times he did say after the fact that a lot of these reports um or statements came directly from like the chicago newspapers and stuff um so he's using that at least to validate some of the claims but i I do agree a lot of it seemed like hearsay from twitter like even if he is you know coincidentally taunting someone at a certain time like obviously he's part of a gang where they could have carried out stuff on his behalf um but yeah the serial killer aspect of it i mean it's definitely a sensationalized title i by his definition he is one i just don't know if it's like what technically the webster dictionary is like more than three kills right 
more than three kills like within a certain time frame like a short time frame essentially um and so not like a mass shooting or anything but like premeditated during you know uh six months or something like that um but i think just given the environment that they're in the proximity to like these gangs would make it so easy to carry out these murders like there's probably so many gang members who have attempted all kinds of drive-bys and stuff and might be in a similar situation so to me it's like all right well there's probably a lot of so-called serial killers in this this industry then in hip-hop yeah yeah i mean based off his definition of it yeah no i I get it for sure um how did you feel about the little dirk um dynamic and like the way that he's portrayed as in like co-signing all this being a part of it the works like how did how did you uh, like your like breakdown of that part of it yeah i mean i definitely thought this whole thing was unfortunate because the footage of them together it seemed like they like were genuinely having fun and smiling which i don't think very close friends right very close friends um and it seemed like all that tough guy stuff that like aura didn't exist when they were just like in the car or studio or whatever having fun um but i do agree it seems like dirk has like ever since vaughn's passing especially adopted that energy like at at times i even feel like he sounds like vaughn like with the flow and Mm. the beats selection so um i don't know if it's fair to say like vaughn negatively influenced him because i think dirk is probably the same person generally speaking um but i feel like he is kind of compelled to maintain that same energy that that vaughn was on because i feel like that kind of cat that duo kind of catapulted them to the heights that they are now yeah yeah that's a great point so i mean again you may know more because again i've only been on little dirk um pause uh let's get little (laughs) dirk more since like covid Right, I, I truly believe that the first time I ever heard Dirk on a track was with Drake, um, Cry Now, Laugh Later, whatever that, that song, which was a COVID banger. And then I heard when he had like those two features on Nas's King Disease 1, I was like, oh, dude, this guy is fucking, yo, very talented, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously you start hearing more and more, he gets bigger and bigger, you know, his, his fame is through the roof, blah, blah, blah. But the way the documentary kind of portrays it, is that there is like Dirk comes across as this like up and coming rapper getting a ton of success, right? And then sees an opportunity to kind of link himself in a very direct way with the streets. And like he's doing everything he can to like kind of co sign King Vaughn so like he can get more clout and like recognition for truly being about that life. And I wonder, like to your point, like I don't know if he was a negative influence, but it kind of feels like. Again, I, I truly believe, like I said, they were close friends over time, but it feels like that relationship was almost like something that he needed out of like necessity. Like, yo, I need the streets to know that I'm about this life. So regardless of what King Vong is tweeting or I'm gonna keep co-signing it. Cause like, if these people think I'm a good rapper and I'm like as crazy as him, then dude, that's like a complete package. And like in the, you know, in the industry that is, you know, gangster rap essentially. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Dirk genuinely wanted to see Vaughn win. Um, at one period, I did feel like Vaughn was outshining him, like th- that period when he was going viral for 
all the crazy story songs that he was doing part yeah, one, like part two, and stuff. Right before his album dropped, probably. Mm-hmm. So I think during that period, Vaughn definitely looked like the the tougher, shy rack goon or whatever. Um, as far as how Dirk felt, I don't feel like he was um, necessarily trying to use it for clout or anything. But I feel like after Vaughn's passing, uh, it's it seems like he's he's trying to go back to the the drawing board and just feed off of everything all that momentum that they already had and like not necessarily doing his own thing because it seems like so much so many of the songs are about like getting revenge on his ops and sliding for Vaughn and this and that and I I think a lot of it was fueled fueled by the internet um, basically saying he he hasn't slid for him yet and all this and that and and I, I feel like that might be getting to him. So now he's trying to like prove he's he's that guy. He's that guy. He's what Vaughn allegedly allegedly was. I got yeah. you. That's a good that's a good point. Um, I think for me also too with what's so jarring was when you see the lyrics, you know what I mean? Like again, I wish and it like kind of like I'm sure for copyright reasons he couldn't, but it kind of would have been nice to like hear the song like while the lyrics are like on the screen. Cause I'm like, bro, like on paper, I'm like, does this even fucking rhyme? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> does this sound good over a beat? But bro, those lyrics from like all parties involved, from uh, from Dirk, from Vaughn, from Quando Rondo, from NBA Youngboy, I'm just like, Jesus, bro, like leave something for interpretation. You know what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. like double entendres. There's no like cool analogies. It's like, no, I'm gonna find you and kill you, bro. It's just right. like okay man like again which is wild because i kind of get like when the da of fulton county is like bringing charges on rappers it's like bro like do you understand like you said this like you said exactly what happened and this is what happened to this person like so that part is like wild to me bro and like again which is also crazy how like he was never properly prosecuted like Mm -hmm. she never like went down and like, you just see these lyrics and you're just like, bro, like, I, I feel like you could only hide behind the thing of like art for so long. Yeah, right. And I I think it it, it speaks to how low the the barrier is to, to getting into the entertainment industry and making it big because I was actually very impressed, you know, how good of a rapper he became and Yo, he had it's not like he good. had been rapping his whole life like wasn't it just in jail or something he had started yeah yeah, yeah. i think he was when he like turned like 20 or mm-hmm. something and i went back and listened to some of his album and i'm like he genuinely knew how to like write a proper song with melodies i'm sure he obviously he has industry ties he can get sure. advice from dirk and whoever else but regardless you can't make someone a star just because you feel like it um and it made me ask myself um who ultimately is like responsible for entertainers who are maybe actively involved in crime you know getting into the dry snitching conversation of you know don't talk about this but talk about that because anytime people talk about these artists they love to say you're not from the streets or this click like don't speak on it but at the same time you're getting paid millions of dollars and you're voluntarily you know giving the public info into what you've done what you are doing and glorifying it so 
you know, do we blame the labels? Do we blame the artists? Do we blame the, blame the consumer? And I, I can never really pinpoint who should take the blame because the, the label is just, they're there to make money and, you know, de- uh, supply the demand. People like you and I, whoever else, we just, we're just trying to hit the gym and, you know, <laughs> get some muscle. And then the artists, they're just trying to live and make money to feed their family. So I don't really know who we can blame. It's us, bro. We're the issue. Like, we're the issue. The consumer? I, I, I think it's consumer. I think it's consumer. Like, because the, the consumer were to demand that we, they, we stop putting this out and, like, stop. But it, they don't, bro. Like, we don't. We like, we enjoy it. Like, there's always those memes of me listening to, uh, you know, gangster rap while I'm on my fifth cup of coffee on my way to work at my nine-to-five job. Like, that's just a realistic thing, bro. Like, so I think it's a consumer, man. Like, it's a consumer. Like, we eat this shit up. The fact that this guy's entire album, which is what, 20 songs of him just killing his ops or planning this, this ops murder, debuted at number 13 on the fucking hip on the Billboard Top 100 albums is crazy. You know what I mean? And that just goes to show that, dude, these guys do crazy numbers, man, especially when it's based off streaming and it's not like actual money being put, you know, you're not going to Sam Goody to pay $12 for a disc anymore. Like, you know, the consumption is so much easier. So yeah, I think it's a consumer's fault, bro. When we tell them that, yo, we're not fucking with this anymore, they'll stop putting it out. But we keep mm-hmm. fucking eating up, bro. Like we just we do, bro. Like, do like even like uh, I think what was it last weekend or the weekend before where um, there was a famous like uh, a boxing match against Tank and Ryan Garcia and Chief Keith came out to it, right? Like Chief yeah. Keith is like Chief Keith is cut from the same cloth, bro. But the internet lost their mind. Chief Keith, the, the king. Like, yo, yeah. I fucking love this dude. It's like, bro, okay, but you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know, it's just, <laughs> you can't be mad at King Bomb and also, like, love Chief Keef. So, yeah. um, it's just, yeah, I think it's just us, bro. Like, uh, we're, we're so flimsy with the thought of it. Like, we're, we're again, we're shocked when it happens to our favorite rapper, to your point earlier, right? We're like, Dude, if roles were reversed, King Vaughn is being applauded for standing his ground and, you know, doing his thing because we liked him better. That's that's a simple fact, yeah. right? But I don't think, um, and unfortunately, I don't think it's stopping anytime soon, bro, because, again, these things happen. Obviously, the documentary is jarring when you watch it, but we'll move on, and if Lil Dirk has a banger next week, we're like, bro, run that shit back. So yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to, like, not point the finger at anyone but us. And I think the tough thing too is in hip hop, we value authenticity so much that even, even if the authenticity is, you know, completely shrouded in negativity, uh, for some reason we still want to champion it. And it, uh, hip hop is such a, a masculine sport even now that if someone is being super macho and, talking about beating people up and killing people and robbing people it just seems a lot cooler and less soft so we just we just you know turn the other cheek or whatever and and blindly accept it yeah dude i think we also love to think that we are above this as society right because like we've evolved like but at the end of the day, though, we also have, like, animal instincts going back to, like, pre-Christ days, right? Not to get fucking, like, crazy biblical or whatever, but, like, like think about the movie Gladiator, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, all those people in the crowd, you know, kill them, let him survive. Like, bro, yeah. like, that is the same thing, bro. Like, we would never want to be in the fucking, in the pit fucking battling for our lives, but we'll watch it and we'll fucking enjoy it. 
and then we'll mm-hmm. go about our day and like live our lives right so yeah i think we still view this as like not real right like it's not a real thing to us it's not in our day-to-day but again i feel like this is a part of our dna going back to forever dude so that's why even though i think we are to blame like i feel strong about that like i don't see us changing bro to be perfectly honest like i don't man like i just i don't know what it will take for us to be like yo enough's enough because mm-hmm. bro like it's not the censoring of the music or whatever like that's not gonna make it work so right. yeah i just think this is unfortunately as long as unless the music industry gets together and they say yo we're not putting this out anymore we're gonna make the consumer change their you know appetite yeah i, I think this is unfortunate to be the thing moving forward yeah i agree and i i think social media makes it even worse too because now you have some random 12 year old you know white kid who knows just as much maybe if not more about the street beefs and yeah you know triggering words and stuff and in a lot of these every every single time like this sort of topic comes up there's always like some old head who says you don't understand like the amount of trauma and you know mothers that are hurt behind this song or you know this beef and which is 100 valid but when you're making hundreds of thousands if not millions off of these songs like it's going to end up in the hands of people who who don't care because they don't they're so far removed from the situation but they want the money too so it's like you got to take the good with the bad like there's going to be people instigating you know documenting what's going on and that's just like the name of the game if you want to be famous essentially yeah no that ass I, I i totally agree with that dude that yeah yeah it's 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 tough dude it's tough you know what was also funny throughout the documentary or at least a thought that i had because again remember he was tweeting like crazy from like the age of 16 about like these things right mm-hmm. i'm like bro who you tweet like who's <laughs> 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 you know like I, I like that he had like the full screenshot because like over time you see that retweet number like go crazy yeah yeah but initially i'm like bro five people saw this <laughs> like, <laughs> it's probably like the one op that he knows following him but that is funny because yeah i remember seeing like one like maybe yeah. one comment <laughs> i'm like bro and the same thing with his like, ig lives like before he started mm-hmm. rapping i'm like bro you're all, you're all live for like 25 people bro like who is right. watching this like that's what? like again again i and i i know ig live is like there it's a tool that everyone uses i never have for whatever reason because like the idea of that is just like weird to me but like dude clearly like zuckerberg knows what the fuck they're doing because bro like when he was like when they were like ig live in like a conversation like mm-hmm. him and his girl i'm like bro why is this like a public on a public forum bro like yeah if you miss your girl because you're locked up, just talk to your girl. Like, to like stuff like that, that like not just hip hop artists, like all celebrities do or influencers. I'm like, all right, dude, I guess you have like 20,000 people tuning in, but like, what are, do we need to know this? Bro? Like, why <laughs> is this being shared with me? Right. I mean, I think if I had to guess, I mean, I feel like he was so transparent, maybe because he knew he wasn't like famous at that time. And that the only people who would care and come across those tweets at the time would have been, you know, people tied to the streets who wouldn't snitch. And then I think for him, it was just kind of like a, a therapeutic, a therapeutic stream of thoughts where he could just like 
get what he wanted to say out there to the ops, sure. even if if he wasn't sure if they were checking or not. Because I'm sure over time, his his tweets got a little less aggressive once he became famous. Like you I think, think Dirk so? was, I think Dirk was. I mean, I don't think he was monitoring it, but I don't think he was posting as like super incriminating things like, "Oh, this person died at eight fifty nine. Like, how do y'all feel about that?" I think it transitioned to him just taunting like okay. NBA like, young boy and saying, "I screwed your girl." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Right. It was about like, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. It wasn't like this forty make you do forty like with circles or whatever. I get your you're right. You're right. You're right. But it was still pretty bad though. It was still pretty. <laughs> Like pretty, yeah. pretty aggressive. Um, I also would say one thing, which I think the uh, the trap Lord Ross even agreed, but like the that was a reach. But like when he tried to tie in him always eating cereal to him being a serial killer, oh, I was yeah. like, bro, stop, stop. Yeah. Like just, just like I got you gotta that should have been edited out from the entire documentary, bro. <laughs> Classic YouTube like clickbaity stuff. I'm pretty sure he knew that wasn't worth it, but I mean we're talking about it right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But to yeah. that point, I was like, bro, stop. Like, stop. But it yeah. was, again, the, uh, what was the the rapper that allegedly he was involved with? FB Duck? Uh, FBG Duck, yeah. Yeah, that, that part, like, that, that snippet of, like, him on the live with, like, academics being, like, so nonchalant. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, this motherfucker, he did it. You know what I mean? I'm right. like, there's no way he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I tried to like throughout the documentary put myself in his shoes and I'm like if if I knew someone had like was part of some group that killed one of my cousins or brothers or something like would I have the same energy where I'm literally on the inside just so angry and vengeful that like I could laugh about the demise of like their leader or someone up there so I get it but I don't think we've come across or seen like rappers or entertainers behave this like ruthlessly on camera no no never dude never that's why again it's it's jarring and it's way more context um yeah it's crazy dude it's it's it was insane it was very well done but to your other point earlier like it's also impressive how quickly he became like a very good rapper because we can say whatever it is, but bro, like that, those six, seven months before that album dropped and the album itself, it's good. It's good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The way he flows, dude, he's almost like a, a, like a documentarian or whatever. Cause like, bro, like, yes, it's very detailed, but bro, like a lot of people try to do storytelling in hip hop and fail miserably. Like mm-hmm. this still sounded very good. And he had like a very believable flow. So yeah, again, man, like I, I still think like, it's a loss for music, but if he did do all these things allegedly, it almost like this seemed very inevitable kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Even though it happened somewhere that wasn't in Chicago or whatever, like this stuff seemed very like inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable. And I just really realized that the consumer generally only cares about the music because if it if the better artist is the one who died in these situations, we get we get up in arms, but roles reverse again people would be laughing at Quando rondo for passing away and just because yeah. his music's mid or whatever people want to say yeah the music is mid though right Wait, we agree with that Quando rondo yeah honestly i haven't heard too much of it i from the one or two songs i've heard like it's just not for me at all um 
I would say 100% King Von, King Von's music is better, but it feels odd to be like, that's the only reason why I sure. care. Yeah. I wish he was living like just so he can show up on my Spotify next week. Like it just yeah. sounds feels it's a weird thought process to have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, dude, very weird. But um, no, nah, thanks for letting me, thanks for telling me to watch it. Uh, I highly rec we highly recommend it for everyone just to get a, a better understanding of his story. Uh, but again, none of that stuff is like a hundred percent factual to make sure you go with it, like aware of that. Um, yeah. Dude, speaking of uh, deceased rappers, real quick before we jump into the the next topic, uh, it was uh, it was uh, confirmed that there is no more pop smoke music in the vaults. So whatever we got is it is what it is, right? And that made me think of two things. One, like they should have fucking rushed that second album that we all agree was like terrible, right? Yeah. Like actually try to make that better. And then two. Well, have you thought about AI? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already have that. I don't know if you heard of Dusty Locaine. Um, I no, believe that's that? his name. He's a uh, another like Crip, I think Brooklyn artist who pretty much sounds identical. Oh, sounds to, just like him. Yeah. 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 And yeah, to no fault of his own, because his his natural speaking voice sounds just like Pop Smoke. So, like Action Bronson and Ghostface, like you can't do anything if you sound like somebody. Um, but it just so happens he he also makes drill music and and all that. But regardless, we don't even need him to exist for AI to come in and make Pop Smoke songs. But I definitely have zero interest in more drill rap to begin with. And especially like, like artificially created drill rap. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sub out now might as well be artificial because they're just copying each other. 100%. Yeah. And then, dude, again, back to like what we said last week about like the soul and the essence of it. Like, bro, like, especially that first Pop Smoke album, bro, and those two mixtapes prior, you're like, bro, like, I hear the hungriness from this kid who, again, God rest, you know, God rest, uh, God bless the dead. Like, dude, 19, 20 years old just trying to make it got on bro walking in fashion week like bro all these things happening like you hear the joy like bro you're not going to be able to recreate that bro and then if i if i know it's already not him i'm like even if it does sound just like i'm like bro i can't because like yeah again i i re, i feel like i picture that kid who was just like bro i'm gonna make it no matter what so mm -hmm. yeah but uh yeah, it's funny because like that thought that was like the first one that came to my mind like i was like oh well, let's, let's see what happens if like another album yeah. in two years yeah, I, I think I think we kind of alluded to it in a couple episodes previously, but if I only see this AI stuff resonating with us, if it's an artist where their story like doesn't really matter, and yeah, and yeah, yeah, we just like need a, a club banger or something, like a Kyle or like um, ooh, like the fucking I am Dior or what the guy's name or Ian Dior. Ian Dior, like, yeah, like these, like these guys were like these guys who like we don't fucking know the story behind you, right? Like you just popped up out of nowhere, had a hit, you know what I mean? Honestly, like again, I know Rihanna's like beloved now, but you know, like if we would have, I think you said earlier, like if we would have found out like a bunch of her hits were AI generated, I'm like, that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like I never think about her being like a songwriter or anything. Like I always, like, yeah. So yeah, but interesting times. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up as a, as a side note, but. The biggest thing we're going to talk about today is your boy, Jack <laughs> Harlow, back in these streets with a new album called Jackman, out here topless in the suburbs next to garbage cans. Your thoughts <laughs> on the release, 
the rollout, the product. I want to hear it all, bro. For sure. Um, I will say the the rollout was surprising uh, to me just because it, it honestly came out of nowhere. Um, for the longest time, ever since his album release, it, it seemed like he was doing everything but a making the music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a million. I feel like that song, uh, First Class, had just come out yesterday because it was still getting played everywhere. Um, and it looked like he was just living his life. Uh, and I wasn't too sure where his headspace was musically, but I definitely didn't think he was busy making anything new because he's just been r- rolling with, you know, all his recent hits and yeah. performing across the and world. And just so started like, releasing the, uh, the, the trailer for White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, um, so White yeah. Man Can't Jump. So personally, I thought he was just content with life and music and had no intention of doing anything anytime soon. But well, clearly the clearly, content said otherwise. Yeah, the content said otherwise. And I was genuinely excited because deep down I knew he was this was going to be a response to the criticism in some way, shape or form, especially considering the cover art, because the other two covers or at least especially the first one, it looked like flashy. You know, I'm enjoying flashy. Life. I'm rich. You know, everyone loves me yeah like not a care in the world if you have anything to say to me you got to ask my assistant first type shit yeah 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 (laughs) hundred now he's just like it seemed like he didn't want any anything to do with that with this cover art um so i'll start with the positive stuff i have a couple notes here but i really appreciated the vulnerability um i think that's what was missing from his at least past couple projects there wasn't too much of that um Denver in particular which I think a lot of people online are agreeing with was executed beautifully uh I felt like he was just so honest in that song and address everything we were all thinking but he wasn't saying on social media uh and I appreciate when artists use art to, to uh rebuttal the public as opposed sure. to just some random rant on Twitter so that was dope um I think generally it was an easy and mellow listen. Uh, I, there wasn't really like there weren't any beats that were just you know awful to me or any flows that were just super weird and off brand from what I'm accustomed to him. I think in general he has a pretty easy flow, and the production was pretty smooth overall. But that being said, when I first got into it and I heard the sample from the first song, I was like, oh, oh god, common like common ground and the theme of it and everything i the first couple songs i it was almost too blatantly clear that he was trying to seek approval from the hip-hop heads and like go deep and like hip-hop purists hip-hop purists right and i just don't like projects that where everything's kind of obvious to me and i feel like i can predict what's gonna happen and I felt that way the first couple songs, even though I think he rapped well, um, that was my concern going into it. Like, oh, look, I'm the bad guy. Look, I can rap. Like, and there's no way you can say this sucks because I'm doing exactly what you want. And if you say this sucks, you just don't like me. Like, that's yeah. how I kind of felt the aura of the album was. And, and it kind of got monotonous with the... The production like everything was a sampled beat it was like every other song was basically saying how you know i can really rap and i'm ambitious and you know 
no one liked me because of my last album like i didn't feel like i needed to hear that for 10 songs if there was yeah. a couple of songs or even an ep of a few songs as a response like hey this is just a little side thing but i'm Almost actually like, a, like another a album. scary hours like here are three yeah. songs just to keep your like you know your palate you know wet. right but yeah, yeah like just don't tell me that you're good just make something that's good and let me decide <laughs> like that's yeah, kind of how i i feel dude, that's such like a a Danny line, bro. I'll, I'll tell you why I say that. Because I went to see <laughs> Selection in New York. Bro, wow. I saw Selection like three times last year. But I went to see Selection in New York. Like, dude, boys trip, me and my boy Sam. And then Joe K, who I love, bro. I told you this a million times, bro. Obsessed with Joe K. Love Selection. Love the whole crew. The reason we discovered uh, a few artists um, is because of them, right? Love them. But, dude, he started his set, bro, with, hey, I'm going to take some risk here. But just be open-minded. And I'm like, bro, no, man, <laughs> just be good. Yo, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. stop. I don't have to be open-minded. You have to be good. And that line is a, how you describe the album was great, bro. So, like, it's, it's hard for me to disagree with you. So, going into it, same as you, I was excited. I was like, bro, because deep down, in, deep down inside, I think we've all expressed maybe frustration with him, but how much we liked him, like, like him. We're like, bro, I want to see you up. Like, I want to see you winning. Because, bro, like, the the emotion you created with some of your first few songs, like, besides what's popping, we're like, bro, this guy's talented as shit. Like, when it all comes together, when he has the right production, when he has the right people in his ear, bro, this is going to do crazy things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, bro, this album, for I think my first text to you offline was like, bro, this guy really wants to be Drake so bad. Because what this reminded me was of, like, all, like, the B-side Drake stuff. Like, the songs that we're not saying are throwaways, but it's like, bro, like, I, I think one thing I wanted to keep asking you when I was listening to this is, like, in what mood am I listening to this shit to? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, am I high and, like, just want to look at the speaker and just, like, oh, I get it, bro. They hurt you. Fuck. You know, like, what yeah. mood? Am I going to be in, bro? Because it's not pre-gaming to go out to go to a club. It's not at the gym because I tried it, bro. Like, it's not for the gym. So it's almost like, what mood do I have to be in, right? This made me, This also gave me vibes of, like, um, when Jadakiss was talking about his beef with 50 Cent at the time. And, like, that's when 50 was, like, dropping mediocre projects. I think he would agree. And it was like, bro, like, you just make music for people to get high and just vibe out to. Like, you know, which is fine. But again, that's not the Jack we fell in love with, bro. And yeah. like, your point is valid. Like, this album just felt like someone who heard the bullshit and was like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong, but I'm proving you wrong based off all the things you said about me. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, I'm going to prove you wrong and just put out good content. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this felt too like, oh, you said these five things? Well, I'm going to do those five things and prove you wrong. It's like, mm-hmm. no, bro, like, you don't have to do that. It's like, who the fuck are we? Bro, like, right, yeah. Like, who are we to tell you how to live your life? It would just like, dude, like, make good content and we'll fucking love it. So mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing for me, bro. Like, if there was one song about it, cool. But there was too many songs just trying to prove a point. It's like, bro, like, you won, my guy. Like, people are listening. Like, just yeah. make good content and no one's going to give a fuck. Right. No, you, you said that amazingly. I... I... I felt like, you know, he went through the comments and like pulled together the top five criticisms. Like the beats are too commercial. Um, you don't talk about, you know, it's only assault. for women, bro. There was yeah, no girl tracks. Women. Like 
Like right. maybe one, but like the, the entire, no enhancers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no girl songs in this. Like, I feel like that mm-hmm. was like a a like premeditated bra. I'm not gonna have anything just for females this time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt kind of like he was he was bullied into making something that I don't know if he necessarily wanted to make. Uh, I don't know who his target audience really is, but I feel like his best pocket are those vibey songs um, where he's not taking himself too seriously. But unfortunately, I know that he loves the culture and wants to be taken seriously and respected and be in the top five conversation. But I just don't know if artistically, at least for me, if that's the person I see him as or even need him to be, because all the stuff I like prior he was just having fun and he could be goofy or whatever and make a banger kind of like white lies like we both love that song and he didn't have to mention one like deep thought-provoking thing in that song and i still think it's one of my favorite songs that i can think of um so i i don't know where he goes from here but yeah i was gonna ask I you think, remember our, our big conversation that's gonna go off my back but like yeah, uh, yeah. our big conversation last time when he dropped the last album was like bro he's on the clock now right mm-hmm. and now this is the this is the project we get and again he it dude it may come out into hey, this was a mixtape i was you know just got done with my movie run and i just dropped it mm-hmm. so, you know there's always a story they can spin right yeah but say it like off this project alone, what are what were or what are your thoughts on like, all right, bro, like, so this is like, do we just like move on from him? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, are, is he just gonna be this guy who kind of just does both rap and hip hop? I'm sorry, uh, rap and acting, and we're just mm-hmm. like, dude, fine, bro. Like, we all like you, no one hates you, but bro, I'm not like, oh yeah, put that Jack Harlow on anymore. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I, this was the album where I thought a lot of us were gonna make the decision on. You know, if he's, you know, uh, falling off completely or, if, you know, he's destined to be the next great guy. I think he did play this one safe, unfortunately, so it makes it hard to say. I believe he didn't promo it just so in case it didn't go anywhere. People could be like, well, he didn't promote it and and this and that. And that's why it didn't sell or, or make so much. Or maybe he could convince himself of that. So I think he played it very safe and that makes it difficult for me to know exactly if he's going to take a risk next or where he might go because this is so drastically different from his last album so which, different bro so different right and, and his last album still had a couple songs that i like but those were so commercial so i'm like i don't want that and i don't want this like just do a mix of both and do what you do well and stop trying to be you know greater than eminem or drake or whoever just like be you and make good music i hope he doesn't care about you know being the best lyricist ever but from here i feel like next he'll probably uh it'll probably be more commercial just because i don't think any of these are going to be hit worthy it has to be more commercial bro and it has to be a commercial hit i think that shit has to be like not on the radio but you know what i mean like bro like everyone's talking about it everyone's playing it it's a couple viral tiktoks like bro the works because mm-hmm. bro this was again dude i at no point though it's almost like my larry june take at no point i'm like the only time i said this is bad was dude that gang not gang gang song mm-hmm. 
Dude, yeah, gang, gang, gang. I was like, bro, take this shit off. Like, I understand <laughs> the creativity of it. I love the beat and how, like, the 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 woman's voices was saying, gang. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. But, bro, the song was, I think, poorly done. And, like, it was too, almost like Tavon. Literal? Too literal, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, like, it felt like every lyric was a tweet about, like, I got up. I took a shit. I fucking, I'm like, bro, I get it, bro. <laughs> Kevin molested someone. Yeah. Move the fuck on, bro. Like, I don't need to know this shit. Like, yeah. it almost felt like, bro, why are you telling us this? Like, I don't need to yeah. know this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I started laughing when uh, it went into the first verse. I thought Gang 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 was going to, I don't know where it was going to go, but I definitely didn't think it was going to go there. And I feel guilty laughing because it's a serious topic. Oh, it's so serious. The delivery was just so straightforward that I was like, I th- I feel like this topic is important, but you need to li- leave a little room for interpretation and like, I guess, be a bit more creative with the storytelling. Because when you just tell someone like, hey, blah, blah, R-worded a bunch of girls in a car, I'm like, that's awful. And I think everyone agrees that it's awful. So can we like, I don't know. I I didn't feel emotionally connected to the song in the sense of like, damn, that was deep and wasn't obvious. Maybe it isn't obvious for some people, but. Yeah, bro, that shit was made through it. Not hip hop fans then, right? But I would Mm -hmm. say I never thought the album was bad at all. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I, I agree with you, it was vulnerable. Um, but I do think this was just to like appease like the hip hop purists so they can still keep giving him like not a pass, but like, all right, bro, cool, you're you're one of us kind of a thing. But I would say the literal part was an overwhelming thought I had throughout the project. I'm like, bro, like yeah. this is too direct, bro. Like there's no room for interpretation. Like I feel like the best artists kind of make us feel like, yo, this is like a soundtrack to my life. But there's also like room for like imagination, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like let me let, like think about certain things as you're saying them and like visualize it, as opposed yeah. to like this is exactly how it was. And I was like, bro, like fuck, man, all right. Like then there's that, like it kind of takes the fun out of it. Oh, hundred percent. And I think, um, it, it seemed kind of so. One thing I did resonate with was the the fact that he he talks about basically with this newfound fame of like wanting to be phone phoneless and are the the critics who write about me write about me and stuff like that because as an artist like even though i'm clearly not like at his scale of you know getting that kind of feedback yeah, but everyone can um, relate to that i, I can imagine everyone that. can relate to it but i think people don't understand because i'm sure there's a lot of people even now who are like you're a millionaire you you get all the girls what are you complaining about but I feel like people still forget that when you have a passion and you feel like it's kind of your purpose in life or at least one of them when everyone or the gatekeepers especially are telling you you don't belong here like no ma- no amount of money is going to make you feel happy when you feel like your purpose no longer exists yeah so i think people need to understand that and jack harlow unfortunately i guess isn't you know one of these little you know, mumble rappers who just want to make money and call it a day. Like he clearly wants to be an integral part of the culture. And I think that's, what's going to make it trickier for him to find his place. Cause I think he's going to be hard on himself when it comes to the feedback. Yeah. 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 No, dude, that's a, that's a great point. But, um, so not heat of the week yet, but what were like, say one or two tracks you actually like thoroughly enjoyed? You mentioned Uh, Denver already. Denver. Yep. Uh, 
just thought it was a beautiful track. It probably should have been the intro, in my opinion, because uh, it kind of was a direct response to everything, which is why I didn't necessarily think he needed a whole album for this. But the other one I would probably have to say is, um, I think, Ambitious. Um, I believe I really like the production on that one. Okay. Um, so that was the main reason. Production on both of those. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Blame on Me. Because that was, I like the, I like, I actually thought his hook selection for most of the songs were very good. Mm-hmm. Um, even the one I didn't like, gang, gang, gang. But I thought Blame on Me was very good. There was, that one helped me reflect. I mean, I know you have like obviously siblings too, that like there's an age gap. It's like mm-hmm. you start thinking about that. It's like that one actually did let like let me like imagine certain things in like my life, right? And yeah. that's why I also enjoyed it. It's like it was catchy. Yeah. It was yes, it was literal, but I think there was still room for interpretation. You can make it about yourself. So mm-hmm. I thought "Blame on Me" was uh was was my favorite track. For, you know, that one's dope, and that one also did make me visualize things, especially having a younger brother and older brothers. Um, and I think that topic was relatively rare. So I think that's why, even if it was a little literal at times, it it was a new refreshing yeah, it experience. It almost made me feel like I'm sure you felt the same. Like, oh fuck, you thought that too about your brothers? Because like I feel mm-hmm. that. I mean, dude, like I, I mean, I'll say on the pod now, but like my brother that we had on the pod, Chris, like, yeah, yeah, dude, like him and I have a conversation every six months about like he's like, bro, I'm sorry for being a shitty brother, and it's like, bro, it's fine, but it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm glad you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. so, like, dude, everyone gets that, right, because I feel the same way, like, dude, am I not doing enough for my little brother kind of a thing, so, um, but yeah, so that was a very unique take um, on a topic I don't think anyone ever fucking talks about. Yep. Yeah. Okay, dude, shout out to Jack. Um, the criticism may be hard at times, but I think it's only because we give a fuck about what he could and can be, so again, I, I don't think this is the end of Jack at all, but maybe just going back to the drawing board and just focusing on, do what do I do very well, and let me just keep doing that. One hundred percent agreed. So, what would you just curious? Would you rate uh, this project um, out of ten? Out of ten, or out of five stars? Maybe five. Five stars, easier. man. Five stars. Probably that's a better, better way to do it, but it's, it's going to sound harsh if it's not like a four or five, right? But I would say three stars. I'd agree. I was going to say three as well. Yeah, because um, I feel like three and a half, you're saying this is like a pretty good album, but just missed a couple places. And I don't think it's that. So that's why I think yeah. three is like clearly better than average, which is two and a half. Um, but I don't think it's anything more than that. Yeah, I, I think what's really missing for me, like you said, is the the replayability. Um, yeah. Like five years from now, I'm not gonna care what Jack's thought process was this year. Like, right. there's there's no moments, not enough moments that will be applicable to us moving forward from this. <laughs> Dude, that's a great point, man. And that's something that I remember that Drake said a lot during his first three album runs it's like bro i'm just trying to create timeless music where like you play that shit 15 years from now you still get the same energy you get from today right so mm-hmm. obviously blame on me like maybe that's something um but the other songs yeah like it's all like so specific to like him being criticized today so like, yeah if he's the man in five ten years why the fuck would we listen to this album you know what i mean so, yeah 
Um, no, yeah, so three three stars, bro. Again, not not terrible, but again, just we uh, expect more from an artist that you know gave so much early on in his career. But uh, dude, still plenty of time. I don't even think he's like twenty seven to twenty eight yet. Dude, he's youngest. Yeah, so no, he's got plenty he of can, time. Uh, he can figure it out, brothers. Again, I know we want to do a topic soon on an episode about like what people achieve at different ages, but I still remember like, yo, 50 Cent didn't drop in the club until like 31 years old. You know what I mean? So like, that's crazy. these guys have like so much time to like still make shit happen in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, before we get out of here though, bro, episode 141 almost in the books, but heat of the week, was there something at the concert or something that just like, you know, stuck on uh, on replay for you? Not at the concert, but in terms of new songs, uh, there was one that came out. So this artist, his name is Amir Obey, and Obey spell O-B-E. Um, he came out with an album. There's one song in particular I loved called You. Um, and speaking of evolution, so I, I came across this guy's music when I interned at Atlantic Records back in 2009 or 2010. I believe 2009 uh and he was a whole different artist this was like myspace era uh big ass tees and snapbacks and stuff and he made like pretty commercial music he's from uh brooklyn i, I believe um okay but over time uh he's kind of been mysterious and i just know all all i know is that he's like tapped in with the ovo camp because he has several songs with party next door uh oh, drake nice. follows him um still pretty low-key um but his music now fits that like darker party next door kind of r&b-ish vibe so that's what i would expect uh from this album but i really like that song in particular um so yeah i'm sorry it's called you you and then the artist is amiro bay amiro bay and he just dropped this shit like last week right yep uh the album's called after yep Nice, dude. Very nice. Yeah, he even the 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 cover art gives that like dark party next yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. Like, let so. me be mysterious and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Miro Bay. Yeah, I never, I never heard of him, man. I wonder if a couple of songs. I, I might go into like the other top songs and just see if like something like kind of rings the bell or something. Yeah. Um. Cool. A Miro Bay is a good one. I do. I think for me personally. Uh, man, I think I, over the weekend, I started getting really into the energy of like going on this, uh, trip. So I kept thinking like European beach party boat energy. So mm-hmm. bro, this is a oldie, but a goodie stardust. Um, uh, I think it's a French DJ, but uh, that song, uh, music sounds better with you. You know, I, that song. Everyone knows that song. Oh yeah, I do know that song. I Everyone love that knows song. That song like yeah, it comes out at a club. You're like, bro, what the fuck? How'd yeah. you do it? Like, yeah, like yeah. So, uh, Stardust music sounds better with you as we get ready for beach season, party season, outside season. Those kind of songs always get me in the mood. So I would just say, mm-hmm. if you're excited about that energy coming up, I would say make sure that this song. I mean, just add the audio three yeah. playlist. Obviously, got it right. Yeah, yeah, bro. Everyone yeah. had. Did you already have it in your um on your? Yeah, phone? I already had it in my like Tulum playlist. Exactly, exactly, bro. It's just so it's that's the energy. It's like beach, having a great time, sunsets, prosecco in hand, like bro. So hookah, dude. I, thank you for shouting out the hookah mm-hmm. spot. I'm excited to. That's a thing in Spain. Is that even crossed yeah, my mind? Yeah, 
No, it's dope. That song reminds uh, I always or not get it confused necessarily, but for me, it goes hand in hand with that one song by uh, what is it? Mojo, uh, Lady, yeah, Lady Tonight. Red. Or lady, uh, hear me, hear me tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Those two bro. songs, like, yeah, like, go perfect. The thing is, like, when I take over like the ox, and I'm already fucked up. Like, I just play those two songs back to back, and everyone's uh-huh. just like, <laughs> <laughs> I would like, bro, spread these out. I'm like, no, these are the only two songs I know like that. Like, fuck it. Like, yeah. Uh, no, but cool. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to peep Amiro Bay for sure. Um, this might be my my deep dive tomorrow, actually. But um, all right, bro. Great episode. Everyone, go check out King Vong. But um. Let the people know what we got going on, what's uh, up and coming. Let's get out of here. Yes, sir. Catch us at audio-theory.com. New episode every week uh, on all platforms. Also, check out the Spotify and Apple Music playlist to get the new heat of the week as well. If you're on YouTube, check down below. We got a ton of merch for you to to cop for the summer. Um, And yeah. Don't forget to to like, share, subscribe. Obviously, we'll keep pumping out content um, and maybe come up with some new segments if if anything interesting pops up. Yeah, hit the fucking like button. Um, Do that shit. (laughs) All right, dude. Love you, bro. Talk soon. Love you too. Peace. Peace.